ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting edition of Monday Motivation. Hi everyone, this is Rabbi Garfinkel of Project 613 here in Chicago with a special podcast in honor of the king, the king of kings that is. Yes, it has been a royal coronation weekend in England. But first, a reminder to like and subscribe to Monday Motivation. And you know what? Why don't you share it with a friend? That would be amazing. It has really hit a very, uh, a nice group of people, and I think the messages are timeless, eternal, and very relevant. So, share it. It would be very, very appreciated. All right. One more quick note before we get to the coronation is uh, a really true, truly great simcha that was tonight, a joyous time. Uh, I am part of a learning Program Now, many people have heard of Daf Yomi, where they do one page of the Talmud a day. And one finishes that 2,711 pages in seven and a half years. I am part of a program uh, in Adas Yishirin, which is a, a synagogue here in Chicago, led by Rabbi Zev Cohen Shlita, a great, great, great rabbi. And he started a program that he saw elsewhere and basically, it does one page, not a day, but one page a week. Now, what does that mean? That means that you have more time to go through it. And uh, and basically, it's a much slower pace. In fact, instead of finishing once every seven and a half years, Daf Shavua, a, a page a week, you finish once every 50 plus years. So believe it or not, we finished. There are six basic orders of the Mishnah, which comprises the Talmud, the substrate for the Talmud. And we finished, after 14 years of learning, we finished Seder Moed, the first major section, which involves many tractates and almost 800 pages of the Talmud. So it is really a testament, uh, incredible. I'd like to thank my Chavrusa, my study partner, Ezi Semel. Uh, we've been at it for, for many, many years. I didn't start from the very beginning. I have a little bit to catch up, but it has been an incredible, incredible experience and something of dedication day in, day out, in person, during COVID, (laughs) remote, and now back in person. So it's a very, very special thing uh, and a great way to uh, start our week by celebrating that completion. And on to Nashim and Yavamas. Okay, here we go. The coronation. The coronation captured the heart's of hundreds, uh, thousands, millions around the world. And yes, the coronation of King Charles III. British Jews in particular were very celebratory and had special kiddushim, special celebrations on Shabbos. And there is a long history of a relationship between the Jews and the king's and queens of England. Not always positive. In fact, in 1290, the Jews were kicked out of England only to return 300-ish years later. Okay, but the good news is that King Charles III uh, is very much a Philo-Semite. He likes the Jews, 
So we like King Charles. Very, very, very good and positive. And it gives us an opportunity to delve into kingship and crowns and the coronation and what in the world is the fascination with the king and the crown. All right, here we go. A little bit of what does it mean to have a king in Jewish thought? All right, so we're going to start with a crazy source for this. The crazy source for this is something called Kiddush Levana. And thinking, hey, Rabbi, what's Kiddush Levana? I'm so glad you asked. Kiddush Levana is the ceremony that we say, usually Saturday night, after the Rosh Chodesh, after the first of the month, and we makadesh the month, we sanctify the month, there's special bracha, special blessing, that we recognize and thank the Almighty for another new month, and recognize symbolically the month waxes and wanes, it goes up and down, and no matter how low we are as a Jewish people throughout our 2,000 years of exile, there will always be a time where the moon will fill up again. And that has been a very hopeful message. In fact, actually, in uh, in World War II, in the camps, many people said that there, were, there weren't many mitzvahs that they could do because they didn't have tefillin, they didn't have kosher food, they didn't have a lot of things. But they could not take the moon away from them. And the Jews would do Kiddush Levana. They would sanctify the moon. Very, very powerful, powerful uh, idea of spiritual resistance. Okay, so now, why am I mentioning this? Because in Kiddush Levanam, David Amalek is mentioned, King David is mentioned several times. Why? What's the big deal? What is the relationship between King David and the moon? And I'm going to distill the idea down for you in the following way. Is that what is the moon? The moon has no light in of itself. In fact, the Almighty made the surface of the moon with this reflective sand. Now, <laughs> anyone who believes that the world was not created by the Almighty is crazy. <laughs> Sorry, it's just crazy. It just so happens that the moon that orbits has reflective sand that reflects the, the light of the sun that shines on it. Okay, which is incredible. The, the moon is basically a mirror that reflects not its own light, but the light of the sun. And that, ladies and gentlemen, that is the purpose of a king. The purpose of a king is to be like the moon, not to shine his own glory, but to be the reflection of the higher reality, the Almighty. And King David very much knew that that was his role, as did King Solomon and all the great Jewish kings. That is the role of a king, not to garner and grab power and authority for oneself, but to be the one who's going to reflect godliness, just like the sun shines and reflects off the moon, that God's will will shine and off the king and reflect on to the people. And that is really the purpose of all of kingship in this world, is to be the one who reflects godliness. Okay, it's also interesting to know that the Melech in Jewish law has certain responsibilities. The Melech was in charge of the Gashmias, of the physical sustenance and the military security of the nation. So in the base of Mikdash, in the temple, there was different furniture, and each of them represents a different source of power or source of responsibility. 
One was the Shulchan. There was literally a table there with showbread, special bread that was baked and miraculously stayed fresh from week to week. And it was called the Shulchan. The Shulchan is represented physical sustenance. And that is the domain of the king. The Shulchan is to provide for the physical substance. The menorah, the menorah, which gives off light, represents Torah wisdom and spirituality. That was the focus of the Kohen. The Kohen represents the spirituality of the menorah. And therefore, it's a very fascinating thing that even the physical realm of the shulchan, of the, of the table, which represents uh, financial sustenance and financial prosperity, even that is dedicated to a higher spiritual purpose. And that is exactly the role of a king is not just to put food on the table, but to remind people that the food on the table has a higher purpose for us to eat it in order to live meaningful and more elevated lives. And so therefore you can contrast a Jewish king with a non-Jewish king. All the all but many of the non-Jewish kings and rulers throughout history, it's only about power and grabbing for themselves and not reflecting a higher spiritual reality. Okay, and that really is what it boils down to. What is a king? Is a king all about himself? Or does it reflect the divine reality and divine greatness? Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the crown. What's the crown? So there's different words for crown in Hebrew. One is keter or keser, and one is a nazer, a nazer. So we're going to focus on the second one, a nazer. Uh, nazer is related to the word nazir. Nazir is someone, a Nazir, who, a Nazirite, who dedicates him or herself to abstaining from wine for a certain amount of period and re- removing themselves from the physical world. And the goal is to temporarily remove oneself from the physical world, to elevate oneself, to connect to a higher level, to transcend our human desires, to dedicate ourselves to holy purposes. Now, that's a nazir. What's a nazir? A nazir is a crown, and a crown comes as word of nazir, which means that just as the crown on a king's head is above the person, so too the spiritual crown sets a person above the norms of the physical world. That's why a nazir who elevated himself to a higher spiritual level is connected to this word nazir, a crown. And therefore, that is the goal, really what a king should be. Someone who is elevated above the physical desires of the world to conquer his himself in order to be able to rule o- over others justly. If someone can't control himself, then one cannot control or guide others. I will lead, <laughs> leave all examples of modern politicians out of this discussion. Okay, but you can draw your own conclusions. Now, a very interesting thing, that there is a custom among the Jews to pray for non-Jewish royalty. We pray for non-Jewish royalty. The mission in Pirkei says, because if we, we should always pray for the Shlomo Shamalchus, the, the peace of the kingship, their success. Why? Because if it were not to be that way, each and every person would literally swallow each other alive. We like law and order. We don't like 
chaos. God wants an ordered world. And so therefore there is a long-standing custom for the Jewish people to pray for royalty. In particular, the British Jews pray for the royalty and always have on each Shabbos. Okay, and maybe a little bit more on that later. So let's get to the actual coronation over here. The coronation is fascinating. Now, the coronation was on Shabbos, and there was a big question if the chief rabbi of England would go to the coronation. First of all, it's on Shabbos, which means he can't, you know, drive there. And um, it's also in a church. Now, I hate to, if anyone wants uh, their future touring in Europe to be ruined, <laughs> you could turn this off for the next 30 seconds and then turn it back on. It is forbidden for a Jew to enter a church. I'm really sorry to break the news, but it is forbidden. It's actually ironically permissible to enter a mosque because Muslims believe in an, a pure monotheism. However, Christianity believes in a trinity, which is a type of watering down or combining entities into a oneness. And so therefore for Jews, it is maybe not full idol worship, like say some of the Far Eastern religions or paganism, but it's close enough. And therefore, Jews do not enter churches. However, the chief rabbi had, uh, under much discussion from the London Basin, he had permission to go, and in general, the permission to attend such ceremonies was allowed throughout the ages. Why? Because of something called Ava. Ava is not just a pretty Jewish girl's name, um, but a pretty name for a Jewish girl, excuse me. Um, it, but rather, it was to prevent hatred. If a Jew would not go to such a coordination, then the ramifications could be dire. We, we, lived in a, we live in a very different world today in which um, maybe not every second we're worried about attacks from non-Jews, although things are changing, but there was a time when if we would slight the king or queen, that would mean certain pogrom and death for many. So therefore, that is considered uh, the sanctity of Jewish life allows for uh, the chief rabbi to attend. Now, one cute little thing, I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, Prince, or now King Charles, uh, is very close with Chief Rabbi Mervis of, of England, and they're very good friends. And um, Westminster Abbey is way far away from uh, any of the Jewish communities. And therefore, what he did was Chief Rabbi Mervis spent the night at one of, I don't know which palace it was or which place, but somewhere close that he could be able to daven early and then attend the ceremony. Absolutely fascinating. Okay, so the coronation itself, it's very, very complicated and intense. By the way, um, the olive oil that was used for the Meshicha ceremony, for the anointing ceremony, was from the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. So why? Well, obviously, they recognize the importance of Jerusalem as the spiritual center of the world. But really, it goes deeper than that. There is something called British Israelism. Now, one of my students, give a shout out to John Danzig, um, who pointed this out to me and I did some research on this. There is a strong tradition within the British dynasty royalty that they are descendants of the lost tribes of the ancient Israelites. And therefore, they see themselves as a direct descendants of the Jewish people. 
Um, there's another version of the story that says that they actually descended from King David himself, from Tzidkiyahu. Uh, it's online. Very, very fascinating stuff. And therefore, the British monarchs see their monarchy as a direct continuation of the monarchy of King David and King Solomon. Okay, the research on this is dubious, and, and it's actually very... As uh, a contradiction, if they actually believe that they are from the descendants of the lost tribes, then clearly none of those tribes were the same tribes as David and Solomon are from, which is Judah, the tribe of Judah, and therefore it would be an internal contradiction. But maybe this other tradition, uh, that's what they hold on to. But nevertheless, the olive oil that was used. Now, why are they using olive oil? Because the Jewish kings were anointed. The Jewish kings were anointed with Oil, the whole ceremony from maybe not every part, but many of the parts are inspired by how Jewish kings were anointed. In fact, I show a video of Queen Elizabeth's um, coronation before Rosh Hashanah because that's literally what we're doing in Rosh Hashanah is we're crowning the king or crowning the queen. And literally, it gives the idea of what it means to crown someone king. And that's what we are doing on Rosh Hashanah. Now, Queen Elizabeth did not allow the oil ceremony to be uh, to be done, to be videoed, excuse me, because it was so holy and King Charles did the same refrain from having video. Some say it was too holy. Some say they're worried about the oil <laughs> spilling all over the place, but nevertheless. Okay, but a fascinating, fascinating thing to see just how much influence we Jews have had. Now, I want to finish with a story and then an idea. So, if you've never been to England, you really should go. And and you should go to a lot of places, but one place you have to go to is Windsor Castle. Windsor Castle is just stunning in the English countryside. It's, it's just astounding how beautiful it is. And... My uh, colleague and I, Rabbi Quinn, who, who was the one really spearheading these trips, and and we walked in, we saw these tables, there were like hundreds of people long, and we're like, wow, this would be the best place for a Shabbatot ever. And we were walking through the rooms, and at the time, uh, Rabbi Zeret of, of Jam, where we worked these many years ago, he started noticing things, and he looked in the tapestries on the wall. And these are huge tapestries, like 20 feet by 30 feet, huge. And it turns out, he says, guys, check out these tapestries. And I'm looking at it, it kind of looks familiar. And from room to room, there's a common theme, like eight, nine, 10 different scenes. And he looks up, he's like, what is it? And we couldn't figure it out. And he says, guys, it's the story of Esther. And he was right. It was amazing. We looked up and we saw from room to room the entire story of the book of Esther from beginning to end with Haman and Mordecai and Esther and the, and the whole thing and the lots and huge life-size tapestries. And then it dawned on me, why are these here? Because if you think about who do we put on the wall? Who do we put on the wall? We put on the wall someone who is valuable and someone who is important. And so who did the British royals put on their wall to look up to and say, this is my hero? And the answer is our Queen Esther and our Mordecai. Those are the people that they looked up to. And it was such a lesson of Jewish pride that we think, oh, who are we? That when we walk into Windsor Castle and you listen to the audio and it was Prince Charles saying, the English dynasty is rooted in 800 years of tradition. 800 years for us is nothing. <laughs> it's nothing. We go back 3,800 years to 
Abraham. And so therefore, it's such a powerful message of Jewish pride. And I'd like to finish on just one final idea about crowns. It says in Pirkei Avos that there are three crowns, the crown of Torah, the the crown of Kuhuna, of of priesthood, and the crown of Malchus, of kingship. But the crown of a good name is greater than all. We should take this coronation, this coronation of of a good person who really has been quite good to the Jewish people. And we have to be grateful for that and grateful to him for that and hope that only that only continues with England and all other countries, but really should inspire us. What is our crown? What is our crown? What are our values that we want to elevate ourselves to a higher level? And that is the crown of a good name, to be a mensch, to be a good person, to be a faithful Jew, to reflect that godliness, just like King David was the moon to God's son. So too, that is our charge in this world. May we have a great week of doing that. God bless. Have a great week. We'll see you right back here next week for another exciting edition of Mother Motivation.